from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Found while floating. I'm Charles Denny. Clean up by Kayak, an effort to protect wildlife and the Tennessee waterway. That story coming up on Ag Day. How these kayaking volunteers are cleaning up the Tennessee River. The final tally on pork producer profits in 2023. A new survey of farmers shows a tepid outlook for the new year. The latest ag economy barometer and the search for wins in 2024. Next on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the name on the cap matches the power of one's purpose. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Farmers are stepping cautiously into 2024, according to the latest Ag Economy Barometer, the survey of farmers by Purdue University and the CME Group releasing its latest results. Now, the December barometer with a reading of 114, that's down just a point from November, but 10% below a year ago in December of 2022. Both the index for current conditions and the index for future expectations we're a point lower this month as well. The biggest change, farmers' inflation expectations in the coming year were significantly lower than they were at the start of 2023. In this month's survey, we asked producers what their expectations are for consumer inflation in the upcoming year. And 70% of the producers in the survey said they think inflation will be less than 4% in the upcoming year, and just 13% said they expect inflation to exceed 6%. That compares to a year ago when roughly half of the producers in the survey said they thought inflation would exceed 6%. This month's survey also included a question where we asked producers what their expectations are for prime interest rates in the upcoming year. Roughly one-third of the producers in the survey said they expect to see interest rates decline over the upcoming 12 months. And just over half of producers said that they feel like interest rates will either remain unchanged or decline in the upcoming year. Mentert says, they also asked producers what their biggest concerns were in the upcoming year. High input costs remain a top concern, followed by lower crop and livestock prices. The increased concern among farmers about lower prices for crops and livestock is closely tied to how the markets perform for the year. Michelle Rook joins us with a look at the winners and the losers of 2023. And Michelle, prices look a lot different than they did at the end of 2022, right? Clinton, unfortunately, there weren't many winners in the ag commodities sector in 2023, with the exception of cattle. The grain markets were hit the hardest with a commodity reset similar to 2013, transportation headwinds, as well as lackluster demand. Grain futures ended sharply lower for 2023. After corn hit record highs in 2022, a rebound in U.S. production led to a commodity reset as farmers raised a record 15.2 billion bushel crop, even with half the U.S. hit by drought. Spotmouth corn prices were down the most, losing 30%. We had you know, better production than expected. We had lower exports. So all that came into play to kind of push the market lower. You know, the drop in corn at 30%, that's the largest uh, yearly percentage drop in, I think, 10 years. So, I mean, that's pretty significant when you look at the corn market. but. When you get a two billion bushel ending stocks estimate, corn really doesn't need to do a lot. Soybeans by percent weren't down as much as corn, with tight ending stocks of 245 million bushels, strong crush margins, and uncertainty about Brazil's crop. Soybeans ended 15 percent lower. Soybean meal fell 18 percent. Soybean oil 25 percent. 
soybeans down 210, so down the most, but certainly a lot less on a percentage basis than corn, which started the year north of $6. After near to record high wheat prices in 2022 due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine and a drought-stricken hard red winter wheat crop, the wheat market also saw pressure. Kansas City wheat slid 28 percent, Chicago wheat 21 percent, and Minneapolis 23 percent. You know, the big one, of course, is the huge production out of Russia and the fact that they're just commanding the export market. You know, that certainly is, is causing some of the trouble. The other was a better than expected crop for the winter wheat uh, and spring wheat. Lean hog futures were also down 22 percent in 2023, leaving cattle one of the few winners as drought cut the herd to 62-year lows. Live cattle were up 7% and feeders up 20%. Now it didn't, doesn't feel like it right now, just given the sell-off we've seen. I mean, we were up at one point almost $60, $70 on feeders uh, and closed the year up 42. So using that front month contract January uh, up 42 from where it was a year ago at this time. Live cattle up 12. In 2024, Payne and Martinson say the grain markets will need a huge supplier demand shock to rally. The meat sector hinges on demand and the economy. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day. As we saw in the latest Ag Economy Barometer, producers are worried about falling crop and livestock prices in 2024. USDA says 2023 saw a 21% drop in net cash farm income. The chief economist says despite the potential of falling income, he's certain the industry is prepared. I think you've had three really good years in the farm sector. Anxious years, but three good years, which gives me some confidence that producers will be able to manage a downturn because they're in a good position to do so. Meyer says marketing and margins are going to be important to watch in 2024. There's potential for rain and snow out west, including showers in Texas and along the Gulf Coast here midweek. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht joins us with our first forecast. Yeah, overall, the precipitation the next couple of days is going to be increasing depending on where you're located. Uh, we're going to kind of separate that nation, uh, the nation, into snow and obviously some rain. Ample rainfall and moisture in and across the Gulf Coast states over the next seven days. And there is the opportunity, again, this is still a little, little ways away, now for this to turn into some snow for portions uh, of uh, the southeast, but also back up here into the northeast. And what we're tracking is a low pressure system working and also bringing in the Gulf Coast moisture as well as some moisture off of the Atlantic. So when we talk about rainfall, now that's where we're talking. Notice another system starting to take shape on the west coast as well. I like to point this out mainly because that energy eventually is going to translate across the United States and pose the potential for some more rain to spread across the United States as well. So again, there's a look at the precipitation forecast coming up the next seven days where it is colder. Obviously, you can go ahead and count on some snowfall and take a look at this photo. This is coming in from Jenny in St. Joe County, Indiana. Beautiful shot here. Her boys Reese and Braden helping wrap up harvest just before Christmas on what was a challenging harvest season with multiple slowdowns and delays due to what else? But the weather. Speaking of which, I'll have more on that coming up in just a bit. Do you remember when egg prices shot up at the start of last year? USDA releasing some new data and the impact of avian flu on egg supplies. Now take a look at this graphic. It shows supplies in yellow against wholesale prices, the white line during 2022. As highly pathogenic avian flu struck birds in 22, egg inventories fell 29% in the year. Now, by the end of December, more than 43 million egg-laying hens had been lost. As a result, 
The average shell egg price was 267% higher during the week leading up to Christmas 2022 than at the beginning of the year. Now, inventories have rebounded and prices have fallen, but the industry continues to deal with significant cases of bird flu. And good news for a shuttered Tyson Foods chicken processing plant in Dexter, Missouri. CalMain Foods says it's buying the broiler processing facility, hatchery and feed mill. The facility was shuttered back in 2023. CalMain says it intends to convert the location into an egg grading facility and make additional investments in the near future. It's also planning to enter into agreements with contract farmers that previously worked with Tyson. It was a good day for cattle, but a bad day for beans. We'll take a look at Tuesday's markets coming up next in Markets Now. And later, these Tennessee volunteers are floating their way to a cleaner river. That story today in the country. In agribusiness, Agri-Marketing Magazine comparing a basket of ag stocks against other financial indices in 2023. It's ag stock index finishing the year up 24%. Now that's compared to a 14% increase for the Dow Jones Industrial Index. The S&P 500 was up 24% and NASDAQ climbing 43%. Now the five biggest gaining ag stocks for the year, Farmer Mac, The Andersons, Alamo Group, Zoetis, and Bueller Industries. Agri-Marketing says since its inception in 2006, the Ag Stock Index is up 204%. Cattle started the new year off hot, while soybeans fall double digits on improved rain chances. Michelle Rook kicks off 2024 in markets now. Well, the ag markets on the first day of a new trading year were all lower except for the cattle market. Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing joining us. And Brian, Soybeans kind of led the charge down, new lows for the move there, new contract lows in corn. But what pushed it? Was it just South American weather or what? I Let's go with that as your number one reason. So we went into the end of the year with what appeared to be a pretty good forecast or an improving, let's use the word improving forecast for Brazil. Came out of this long weekend with the same forecast, if not even a little better. So from mid-December to now, it's really more improved weather expectations and crop expectations out of Brazil. You just can't quite connect those dots that you could in early December. And then it's technical selling. The funds have been short. They added short positions. We saw that in a commitment of traders. I think they looked at it today and the traders did. And they, they, the traders just said, look, there's nothing there. And they, they continue to sell. So, Brian, where do we find the next areas of chart support then for corn and beans? Yeah, so on corn, let's start with that one. Remember, December corn did trade under 450 with today's week close in the March contract. You got to expect that that's kind of a target to think. So right now our close 463 and three quarters today, but we'd expect that 450 is a support area there. Now in beans, it's a little different. You've got this head and shoulders formation that we've actually talked about. It's been developing for multiple weeks. There's two of them on there. The first downside is around the 1225. Second is around 1150. And we've been there before. So it wouldn't be strange or unusual to see the market down into that level. Last time we were there, though, was last May. Cattle, the only area where we did see an uptick in prices, a nice day. Was that all due to the market chasing cash trade? Market chasing cash. Uh, the board, I think, wanting to be friendly. You've had a supply-sided argument for a long time in cattle. We're not going to all of a sudden find a whole lot of new cattle. Might have a little bit of a weather story starting to develop there as, the, as a storm system out in the south, southwest. 
might might push in, inward and that could affect weight gain. But bigger picture, I think, is probably expectations, pretty good demand over the holiday weekend for beef. Well, hopefully we can keep that going. Thanks so much for joining us. Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing, and we'll have more Ag Day coming up. start off looking at that drought monitor. Now we were talking just a little bit ago about the amount of moisture rainfall coming into the Gulf Coast states. It is certainly needed, but things have been helped in and across Houston. Still a pocket of extreme, if not exceptional, back into Louisiana, even up into Tennessee as well, and a few more pockets where it is uh, rather dry. Typically, we'd start talking about a snowpack in the plains or even uh, in Wisconsin and Minnesota. While there is some snow on the ground, it's not nearly as deep as what we've seen in years past. So again, there's a look at that drought monitor. We'll put the snowfall estimate on top uh, and go through your Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You can see this is just snowfall, not rain. Snowfall uh, through Wednesday night and also into our Thursday and Friday and see where that moisture is located. Some snowfall rain chances will increase to the south and work to the north. Watch what happens as you go into your Friday. You see that snow start to come down from the north, but also develop into the south as well. So we have the energy dropping from the north to the south as it does. We're going to start to pick up more moisture from the Gulf, and that is where some of that snowfall will come into play. Now that's through 7 a.m. on Friday. Saturday and Sunday look like the day that we could see uh, the combination of some heavy moisture and a low pressure system for some snowfall into the northeast. So very early, but it is worth monitoring. As for the temperatures later on this afternoon, uh, seeing a colder air situated across the United States, and this is more typical of January, December across the nation was a bit off the charts. Records set for the month of December for a good portion of the nation. Warmer than average in record setting on the warmer side of things. For tomorrow morning, seeing more freezing temperatures, but also the teens showing up as well in and across the United States, specifically into parts of Minnesota and Minneapolis, 25 and Omaha, 32 in Tulsa. Otherwise, for tomorrow afternoon, high temperatures in the 30s and the 40s. That's going to keep the chances of snow around rather than talking about extreme heat. Here's a look at what we have. Start off in North Dakota, rugby, mostly cloudy, high around 19, a low of 10 degrees. Knoxville, Tennessee, morning showers, high around 51, low of 28. Perryville, Missouri, high of 49. Now, if you have a spare $67 million laying around, take a look at this real estate listing. The historic Pitchfork Ranch in northern Wyoming now up for sale. The ranch is older than the state itself, first founded in 1878. Now it's still a working operation with 1,300 cows spread out across 96,000 acres. Nearly 14,000 of that is deeded. The main residence, 5,400 square feet with eight bedrooms and five bathrooms. The ranch controls nearly seven and a half miles of the Gray Bull River and includes a significant number of irrigated acres and a hay operation. The ranch manager says this will be only the third time the ranch has traded hands since it was founded. Up next, rounding out profit margins for the pork industry in 2023. We have the final tally. And later, grab a kayak and hit the river. These volunteers of Tennessee are floating their way to a cleaner river one piece of trash at a time.
2023 ended a tough year for pork producers and the latest sterling pork profit tracker putting a pencil to the final numbers. Farrow to finish hog producers saw losses of $58 per head last week. That's about a dollar more than the previous week. Lean carcass prices were just below $50 per hundred weight, more than $30 below a year ago. Meanwhile, packers back in the black, posting $60 per head profits, their second best profit margin since October of 2021. Packer capacity utilization now estimated at near 90%, much better than the 64% from last year. African swine fever continues to be a significant threat to the industry, but the National Institute of Food and Agriculture is helping to fund research in the battle against it. USDA says as of 2022, pork production is a $30 billion industry here in the U.S. And that's one reason NEFA is helping to fund research, surveillance and prevention of this infectious disease. It has a list of ongoing projects, including portable electronic sensors capable of detecting ASF. That research being done currently at Arizona State. Virginia Tech also developing sensors for early on-farm detection. The Swine Health Information Center is studying the risks of contaminated feed ingredients. While Kansas State teams have tested multiple vaccine candidates and the University of Nebraska and others are looking at types and alternative vaccines against ASF. It's not quite spring, but a good cleanup is always in order. We'll see how these Tennessee volunteers are floating their way to cleaner rivers in the country. up the country's pristine waterways is always a novel pursuit in Tennessee. The river gets a good cleaning thanks to volunteers combing the banks via kayak. Now the effort was led by groups at the UT Institute of Agriculture including the Tennessee River Line. Charles Denny has more on the advantages of a floating cleanup. A cleanup by kayak. A fleet of paddlers this foggy morning, all gliding across the surface where Knoxville's first creek flows into the Tennessee River. The volunteer crew is here to spot hard to reach trash and debris and get it out of here. When you're walking, you see things in the creek or the river, but when you get in a kayak, you see from a totally different perspective. And there's lots of things that hide along the edges. Annette Wislacki is a professor in plant sciences at UT's Institute of Agriculture and one of the people concerned about this river, which surrounds the campus. Uh, there was a study a few years ago, and it made the National Geographic, a National Geographic issue, that the Tennessee River is one of the most polluted rivers, compared to even rivers in China and other places. So it's really important that everybody does their part. These microplastics are everywhere. Clean water protects wildlife. There are 370 species of fish and freshwater mussels here, some not found anywhere else in the world. Truly, truly, the Tennessee River system is the most biodiverse river system in North America, and that's something we're celebrating and something we're stewarding. And we all have to recognize that we have a part to play. UTIA's Brad Collett leads the Tennessee River Line and teamed with the university's One Health Initiative and Honor Society Gamma Sigma Delta to coordinate this kayak cleanup. In collaboration with UT Knoxville and TVA, Part of the Riverline's mission is to protect this waterway from an environmental standpoint so that we can enjoy it for decades and promote economic growth for the towns along the shoreline. When, you know, when a lot of people think about the Tennessee Riverline, they think about recreation first and foremost, but also a really important part of our mission is stewardship of the river. 
and inspiring new generations of individuals who are invested in the care of this really important natural resource. By the time the fog lifted, the crew collected seven bags and nearly 250 pounds of trash from the water. There's still more to pull from the creek and river, and the hope is to have these kayak cleanups about once a month. When you're floating by, you can really see what needs to be done. This is Charles Denny reporting. All right, thanks, Charles, and that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in from all of us here at Ag Day. I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day.